saints, aints, and friends. Welcome back to the Vibe Central Podcast. Congratulations. You have yet again passed the vibe check. Go you. Just wanted to say that. Go you. We are so glad to have you back for our second episode of City Schools, the series. That's right. City Schools, the series. This is where we take an in-depth look at, for those that are new, this is where we take an in-depth look at policy, progress, city schools as a whole, right? So our last episode was amazing. We got to talk about the mental health aspects of assault and the silencing effect of it. It was an amazing episode. I think one of my favorites to record. I will have to personally say that it was one of my favorites to record. But on to the next. So today's guest is amazing. He is founding artistic director of Urban Choral Arts Society, the chair of the Teaching and Learning Committee, and Baltimore City Schools Commissioner, Commissioner Ronald McFadden. Welcome, sir. What an intro. Mitchell, what an intro. That that was really special. Hello, everyone. Happy to be here. And Mitchell, I'm very proud of you. I mean, you represent the best of Baltimore and the young people in Baltimore, um, particularly in Baltimore City. They're not as vibrant um, and innovative as you are. So I just want to say kudos to you. Congratulations on this incredible podcast endeavor that you are embarking on. Just makes me so proud to know that I get to represent you as a school board member here in the city. I appreciate you. I appreciate you for coming. I appreciate you um, for your time. Fun fact, you guys, I did tell Commissioner McFadden that I did have an intro lined up for him because I had been waiting to give someone a good intro. I had been waiting for that moment. So I'm like, okay, he said, yes, let's go for it. So <laughs> you, gave, you, you did give the intro. I didn't know what you were going to say or where to pull the information from. But I appreciate that. City Schools website is helpful. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say about it. But nevertheless, thank you for coming. So I guess I'll start off like an icebreaker question because maybe they do know, maybe they don't know. But what is your what is your day-to-day responsibility as commissioner? What does that look like? So my day-to-day responsibility, my day job, I'm an assistant principal at Woodlawn Middle School in Baltimore County. Um, and I taught in Baltimore City for several years. I taught at Booker T. Washington Middle School. It's um, on McCullough Street um, in the, the central west area of Baltimore City. Um, it's a beautiful school. It's a beautiful community. And I love being there. But this is my day job. Now, day to day as a school board member, school board commissioners, we are commissioned um, to ensure that our students, the young people of this city, um, are in safe environments, that they're learning um, as best as they possibly can, that we tend to all of the needs of our young people so that they are ready to be competitive in the global world, right? So that is what we do day to day. So we govern through policy. Um, that is how we govern the system. So a lot of people say, well, the the school systems have superintendents, right? Or in Baltimore City, we have the CEO where the board hires the CEO to implement the day-to-day work that the policy calls for the school system to adhere to. Um, so that's what we do day-to-day. And of course, we right before this podcast, I had a meeting 
with a bunch of the committee chairs that um, serve the different committees. We have not only teaching and learning, as you mentioned that I chair, but we have operations committee. That operations committee deals with things that we purchase. It deals with staffing. It deals with the pencils and paper and the devices that you all like, right? The buildings, the way that our buildings um, are. That's what operation deals with. Uh, and then we have policy committee. Um, that Dr. Uh, Darrell Brooks is currently chairing. So we have a monthly session where we collaborate, we fill each other in on what all of the committees are doing so that we can do our best work for you all. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because I feel like, you know, we don't, we don't highlight the commissioners enough. Like we see, you know, city schools, we think of like, immediately we think of like Santa Lisa's and it's like, no, it's a whole team behind Santa Lisa's. Half of that team hired Santa Lisa's. So you got to... Look at the responsibility of it. So um, I guess we'll jump straight into it. So with all of the questions and and hopefully answers that you as a commissioner can provide, uh, talk a little bit about uh, progress in the uh, alleged cases, allegations, and so on and so forth. So what is the progress as far as I know you and I talked a, a little bit off uh, a little bit before we started um, about it, but where can you give us an update what as far as policy goes as far as um enforcing policy goes as far as progress goes in the cases can you unpack that a little bit sure so you're referring to the sex-based discrimination policy yes yes and so that sex-based discrimination policy i found it for you and it is there there are a lot of policies and, and let me just also say that because baltimore city is such a large school system a very historic school system and a very unique school system, I might add. Um, you know, and, and just a little bit of history before I get into the policy question, Baltimore had two different school systems. Baltimore had a school system that served white people. Baltimore had a school system that served black people. Um, and historically, if we go back and think about um, a lot of our schools that have black names of historic figures, like Frederick Douglass, like Booker T. Washington, like Paul Lawrence Dunbar, like uh, Samuel Coleridge, right? All of these folks, all of these schools named after these prominent African-Americans, black people, um, those were the schools that black students went to. Separate superintendent, separate teachers, right? And then that and of course, the buildings and the facilities were not adequate as they were at maybe a city college or maybe a Western or maybe an Eastern, right? Or, uh, you know, Poly, right? So, and of course, your school came along in the 1980s, right? So a little later. So we had already been integrated by then. But I'm putting that context to, to, to this discussion um, because I think it's important to know that the inequities that still exist are generational. And that's a part of why Baltimore City, what we're doing right now as a board is really looking at policies, right? What, what do we need to keep? What do we no longer need to keep? Because it is no longer relevant. And, and some things are just no longer equitable. And so it's really important that we focus on policy in a relevant way to best meet the needs of not only our young people and our students, but the folks that have to serve our students every day. It's really important that I, that I set that context. JBB, with that context, JBB, um, the board adopted that policy in 2019, April 9th, 2019, actually. And as we were talking earlier, policy is the theory, right? Policy is the big picture. 
this is what the board wants to see, needs to see, because the community said that they need to see it. Our data is showing that we need to see some changes or some updates or whatever. So let's set this policy in place. Then attached to every policy is what we call the regulations or the way that the policy should be implemented. That can be revised over time, just like it was for policy JBB that I was just talking about. So things can happen. A pandemic can happen, right? A world global disaster can happen and we might need to go back and make some edits and we'll generally amend the regulations, which is what we did very recently with policy JBB. Um, there were new laws that came into place. There were incidents that happened in schools in yours particularly as, as right? And so we went back and I think the incidents may have particularly surfaced after we actually adopted the provision. We adopted this particular provision this year, January 12th, 2021. And so the issues that were happening in your school particularly surfaced a little after, at least from what we knew, the information we knew surfaced a little after. Um, and so uh, that's where we are. We always have the policy, but the way that the policies are implemented, that is what matters most. So if principals are not completely versed and updated on policies, right, that's when the board has to step in and say to staff, to your point, Dr. Santalisis, or whoever the superintendent or CEO is, hey, we need to boost up or change the way that we are implementing this policy, or we need to ensure that folks know that the policy exists. And these are the things within the policy that has to happen, or there's gonna be some sort of consequence of disciplinary action um, that the board will have to take as a result, right? Of something not happening. So that's honestly where we are. The policy has been revised to reflect the current needs of our school system and our students and, and everyone that works there. We're just now in the process of making sure that all staff members know about policy JBB. All staff members know where all of the necessary forms are, who to contact, but all of that is really, really important. And that is the process and, the, and all of the steps that we're taking right now. So certainly school starts on Monday, right? For all of our students. And this is one of several policies, right? That we have to make sure that staff members know about, students know about, parents know about. Um, so that's where we are right now with the policy. Thank you for that. If you could, um, just a little bit for, for the listeners, if you, if you can talk about this, um, can you give us a little insight on policy, policy JBB, is it? If you could, if you could give us a little insight on what specifically that policy is, what it entails, can you unpack that just a little bit more? So, yeah, and what I will say to all of the public and everyone listening is that all of our policies are on our website, right? There's a direct link. So if anyone has any question about any of the policies, right, you can always go for in Baltimore City, baltimorecityschools.org and click on the, the tab that says Board of School Commissioners, right? And in that tab, you'll see where we have our meetings, you'll see policies. And when you click on that, you wanna see a policy or you wanna see a meeting agenda, it's gonna take you to this site called Board Docs. In Board Docs, see a tab at the top that literally says policy. All of the policies that affect students are gonna be, they're gonna start with the letter J, right? All of the policies that deal with students are gonna start with the letter J. And so particularly JBB, 
is a policy that deals with sex-based discrimination. And so we have a reporting form. I just scroll right past it because I'm right on that policy. We have a reporting form. Um, we have the regulation. Um, and I'll tell you what the purpose of that policy is. Do you mind if I read it to you? No, go ahead. So City Schools does not tolerate sex-based discrimination in its schools or during City School-sponsored activities. The administrative regulation has been created, and that's the, the regulation. So y'all forgive me, that was a blooper. We're keeping that in, LOL. <laughs> so here we go. Baltimore City Schools does not discriminate based on race, ethnicity, color, ancestry, national origin, religion, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, marital status, pregnancy, parenting status, disability, veteran status, genetic information, age, or other legally or constitutionally protected attributes or affiliations as outlined in board policies, JBA, another policy about discrimination, JBB, JICK, ACA, ACB, there are several of them um, that deal with, with discrimination, all right? So this policy directly deals with um, what I just mentioned. That is the policy. And so then the regulations talk about what happens if an incident happened, right? What steps should be taken in order to rectify the situation, to record the situation? What potential disciplinary actions could come out of um, an alleged action or whatever? So that is what that policy is about. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you for that. Very informative. Um, so my next question, I guess, would be for you. Um, as far as implementing goes, are there, hmm, how do I ask this? Are there new, <laughs> and you could probably get this, but are there new um, ways or strategies, if you will, that you all are thinking of beginning to put in schools as far as ways to implement policy and enforce policy and make sure that it is accurately, you know, recognized and established um and if so would that take would that be like would, would there be an immediate change or would there be like something that as time goes on in the school year we can expect to see more and more of so remember this this policy was adopted in january all of the revisions were adopted in january and so now no we're not going to unless something is extremely egregious Right, we're not going to go back and revise immediate, like every year, we're not going back to revise the policy because there's a lot of input that goes into policy development. So the community informs the policy, right? Before we adopted JBB, we had, we listened to students, we did focus groups, we did surveys, we solicited folks' input and feedback, not just from our students, but from parents right, from community members. So a lot goes into that. And then, of course, we have to cross-reference the policy with our legal department, right? We have to make sure that everything that we're doing is in compliance with federal, state, local law, um, right, so that we're in alignment with that, in addition to being responsive to the, the unique needs of Baltimore City. So no, we're not going to revise a policy every year. Um, we're not going to do that every year. Um, but if something happens that is very egregious, that impacts all of our students or has the potential to um, impact all of our students, we will call um, our generally our, our, our policy chair will ask for a policy to a policy to be brought 
up for review and we'll review the policy and see whether or not we need to amend it um, or whether it just is a matter of implementation, right? Because remember, every policy has regulations and sometimes those regulations are not followed um, maybe because people aren't aware of them or because the district office or the central office headquarters hasn't communicated to all of our stakeholders well enough on what these policies actually are and what the, the implementation implem, implem, implications of not implementing the policy um, can be. Did that answer your question? It did. It did. Thank you. So let's move to you as a commissioner a little bit. I know that you were talking about that. You are also a teacher in Baltimore um, City Schools. You are an assistant principal or a principal? Assistant. Assistant, yeah. Assistant, got you. So as an assistant principal, as a commissioner, let's talk about you for a little bit. What, when, when you all sat down and went through copious amounts of meetings, I remember you saying you had one today, what in looking at and in investigating, what what made you uncomfortable? Were there things that made you uncomfortable in looking at this? Were there things that kind of disturbed you, even maybe even policy-wise, uh, as far as the cases went? Well, anytime that students bring up an issue, and it's not just one student, you know. Now, one student is that, that that one student is important too. We don't leave any of our children behind. But when there are a group of students that are coming and raising particular issues it forces the school board commissioners to be responsive to that. Um, something is an issue and we need to address it, right? So no matter what the issue is, it's gonna make us uncomfortable because there's there are voices crying for attention, help, assistance, or support. And so that always forces us to, to, to become more attentive to specific things as they come up. It always happens, right? Let's think about last summer. Um, what sparked a lot of recent unrest was George Floyd's murder, right? Before that, when I was teaching at Booker T. Washington, Freddie Gray's murder, right? In Gilmore Homes, right? Where a lot of my young people lived that attended Booker T. Washington. That was another issue um, that happened in the city that forces the board to just sit up. Are our policies... Uh, are our policies effective right now in these moments when we have young people crying out about discrimination, when we have young people crying out about not seeing themselves represented in our curriculum, right? When we have young people crying out about how police have been brutal, not necessarily in city schools, right? But in Baltimore, right? How police have been brutal. Maybe it's time for us to rethink, right? The way that we deal with social emotional learning, how we are more restorative and, and less punitive, right? With how we tend to more of the unique needs of all of our students, the holistic needs of our students um, versus being so reactive. So there are always issues that force us to do that. This one was one of them. They didn't necessarily make us want to change the policy, but make sure that folks were implementing the policy effectively. That is what happened with this particular case, because remember, we adopted the revisions. We were actually on the cutting edge of adopting the revisions to this sex-based discrimination policy, right? We did it before we started to hear things bubble up at your particular school. 
And so at this point, it's not, we need to change the policy because the policy is there and we actually took time to revise it. It's a matter of our people, do they, are they aware of it? Do they know about it? Are they clear about it? And are they implementing the policy with fidelity? That's where we were. And we have tasked the CEO and her staff to make sure that that is happening. Awesome. So I know you said a little bit in your questions, um, in your answer, I'm sorry, um, about um, how to be more restorative in when, when issues arise, when things arise, instead of being reactive, um, being restorative. And so I'm just, just a question from me. Are there any, like, uh, program almost for like people who um, have been through assault or discrimination or be it in school or you know outside of school in the neighborhoods what does city school offer for those students just a question yeah what do city schools offer a school counselor in every one of our schools right and so that's to start um, and some schools, depending on the needs of the students, have school social workers. I know that that was a huge thing for Dr. Santelises, making sure that every school had at least one. Some schools, um, many schools have more than just one social worker. They have more than one school counselor. They have school psychologists as well. That's school-based staff that we call related service providers um, that, are, that are in our schools. That's the start of it. Um, but yes, there are additional programs um, that I'm trying to think about in addition to community partners that we have in our schools. Um, Safe Streets is a community partner that we have to help students mediate um, community conflict. We have Project NUMA, an incredible program that a lot of our schools are now contracting with that the board has approved to help young people, particularly young black boys, meditate right and be mindful so if we are having issues in school oftentimes when young people are having issues in schools when they're acting out me as a teacher and certainly as a music teacher now as, a, as an, an administrator oftentimes when students are, are acting out there's something else to that it's not because a child is bad is bad right what does bad mean for me it means that the kid is not getting what the kid needs to be successful so it could be perhaps neglect right? Um, maybe in that neglect could be in the schoolhouse or that neglect could be in the home or in the community. And how do we address that, right? Um, oftentimes it could be some sort of learning deficit, right? If a kid is acting out, it doesn't always mean that they're bad. It might mean that they need additional support. They may not understand something. So how do we offer that student the additional support that they need, i.e. what we're doing now as a result of COVID um, and the pandemic is making sure that every one of our students has a learning plan. Every one of our students, a part of the three R plan is to have their own learning plan. That's going to be a heavy lift for city schools. And it's unheard of, right, in, in a school system. Every student has a learning plan tailored to where they are and where we know they need to be. And that's why we focus right now on accelerated learning. We're not looking at students as having deficits. We all missed a year and a half, right, in the pandemic. But now we're focusing on, you're getting ready to go to what, the 11th grade, right? You're going to the 11th grade. So we're not going back and saying that, oh, Mitchell has all of these deficits. He missed all of this in the 10th grade. Nope. 
we've now got to focus on making sure that you have what you need in 11th grade, right? While still trying to figure out, maybe you missed a few things. So now we've got to accelerate you. So when it's time for 12th grade, your senior year, you're ready to apply for college. You're ready for those auditions. You're ready to move on in those professional settings. So that's where we are right now. So every student will have their student learning plan. Yes, there are programs and options um, within city schools, but I'll say at the home base, Every school has a counselor, every school at least has a social worker, many have more than that, but that's where we start for our young people. Awesome, awesome. So you kind of hit on it in, um, in your answer uh, that you literally just gave. Um, your experience as a teacher, I wanna talk about that. What was what your experience as a teacher? Was it, now let me just ask this question like a five-year-old. Was it fun? Was it not fun? <laughs> What was your experience like as as a teacher, as a and, and from a teacher to an administrator now to a commissioner? What is that? What has that process been like for you? I'm always going to be a teacher, right? And I wanted to be a teacher since I was in the seventh grade. And so, as you listed, right, in in, in the beginning when you gave that fabulous intro, right, right, I'm the artistic director of the Urban Core Arts Society. I'm always teaching. Right, so just because I'm not necessarily in a public school classroom, it doesn't go away from me. What it is fun, it's hard though, right? Because every student to what I would just was just saying is different. So no one student is the same. And of course you learn tricks of the trade over time, but when you're really called to teaching, when you're really called to, to educating children and the business of educating children, it's tiresome because you wanna make sure that you're impacting every single one of the students that you have in front of you, right? And that sometimes means that they, they learn differently than the majority of their peers. So then you have to cater to that while also still catering to everyone else. It might mean that they don't speak English as, as their first language, right? And so how do I sharpen my skills to make sure that I'm still able to give that student or those students what they need? And so now as an administrator, as a school, as, as a school assistant principal, it just expands how I do that, right? So now I'm looking at a broader group of students and helping teachers to be that type of teacher um, that, that I believe I was and that the type of teacher that I had um, when I was in school. I think that's really important. Every student, every child needs a trusted adult that they can go to and support them. Um, so it's really important that we think through that lens. As a school board commissioner, I was teaching while I was on the board. Just like right now, I'm still in my school office as a school administrator, because we start school Monday in the pandemic, right? So I'm still here because I care, right? My life is dedicated um, to the business of educating children, right? And so oftentimes my students don't leave me once they leave my classroom, they're still my students. I have a student, I, most of my students become my mentees. Right. Um, I have a student right now. Um, her name is Delia. She's grown up. Now she's working on her master's degree in social work, actually, at Morgan State University. And we're very close. Right. So um, that's teaching is it for me. And specifically, I'm a musician. Right. So I'm a music teacher first. <laughs> OK. Um, so it's not just me being a teacher, but I'm a music teacher. And I say that because I teach everything. I teach languages, right? I teach students how to um, communicate well. We deal with science as I think about, um, and I'm a choral musician, so I think about singing, right? And we're thinking about acoustical settings and, and space and design and 
production, right? At, at all of that math and how do you count rhythm and beats and, and all of that. And certainly the social sciences, how folks migrate. Why did people write music at the time that they wrote the music, right? What was going on in the world when they wrote these songs and how are you gonna communicate that message and not just what you think the song is about? Um, and then of course, in music and especially choral music, ensemble music, you are forced to work together, right? And we need that more than ever. I think every child should be in a choir. I think every child should be in a choir because it forces you to be vulnerable with your God-given instrument, your God-given talent. You can't press a key, you can't press, it's all you. And you've got to use that gift or that, that, that instrument to blend with others that come from different backgrounds, right? That might have different sounds, that might have been brought up differently than you. But the goal is to come together and make beautiful music. What if everybody in the world was in a chorus, in a choir? I think we would be able to communicate better, we get along a little bit better, we'd be more empathetic with people so that we can stop killing each other because that's really frustrating right now. It's so wholesome. I just want to go ahead and say that. Like, that was my first thought while listening to you just just express your love for teaching and for making sure that students in layman's terms are okay. A lot of times we don't, or sometimes students miss that. A teacher that actually cares about them outside of them having good grades or- Well, we have to Mitchell, right? We, we have to, right? Like if, if, if I don't care about you, I'm not really gonna care how you get through my class. I'm not gonna care if you learn or not, right? Like, and if a student knows that that teacher cares, it the motivation is different. I was there, and I don't care what anyone says. I had teachers that I knew cared about me. I didn't want to disappoint them, right? Because I knew that they believed in my potential, and they and they knew that I had, I had more to give. And they weren't always nice to me, right? They weren't always, you know, pleasant. Sometimes their love was tough, and sometimes it was hard. But they knew that it was what I needed. Um, and so that's that's where we are. When students know that the adults that are that are around them and working with them care about them, it changes the way that they do their work, right? And it also changes the outcome for that student because if they are working to their best potential or at their best potential, the sky is not even the limit for our young people. And so to your point, yes, every young person needs a trusted adult, not just somebody that knows the content that they're being taught or teaching, but knows how to connect with young people and see the young people where they are and for what they're worth. Absolutely. I think that is so, I think that is so, so, so important. Um, first of all, let me just say, thank you. <laughs> thank you, first of all, for coming on Vibe Central. And second of all, thank you for being in layman's terms, an administrator that we can trust and have faith in like, okay, Commission, like, okay, for me, like, Commissioner McFadden got me. Like, I'm I'm cool. And I appreciate you for being that commissioner because in light of all of this, a lot of students, I was talking to um, a lot of kids from BSA, and for them, it felt like their voices weren't heard. It felt like that they weren't being understood, that they weren't being like, like, hey, we hear you and we're doing this. And so that was one of my goals for this series, but a lot of the people that I talked to, I even had a chance to talk to um, Dr. Tantalesis, episode four, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> I've even had a chance to talk to Dr. Santalesis, and they, their expression was, we hear you, you know? A lot of students are crying and it's like, 
we just sometimes we just don't feel heard and you know with, with adults I, i'm gonna go ahead and be honest sometimes with adults when expressing concerns you're not exalt you're not exactly always understood or what's the word i'm looking for understood or heard and so i appreciate um everyone that's that's come on here and even the the board of commissioners um and the people that i've talked to offline that i haven't recorded an episode with that have done amazing work um thank you honestly just just thank you for being that commissioner that i'm pretty sure pushes other commissioners to be like hey let's let's get this rolling so i appreciate we have to mitchell and 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 to that point we don't always get things right right we don't we don't always get things right because there are almost eighty thousand of you right that we have to serve and all of you are unique and different and so it really is important for us to listen and hear you right no matter how you show up no matter how you come because the way that you show up and the way that you come is right right and it's going to inform the work that we do so i'm just going to say to you i appreciate you and keep doing what you're doing right um you're a voice that our young people needs um and and this is a platform that our young people need to not only express themselves but to also advocate um for for what they believe they should have what you all believe that you should have so don't stop it's it's really important that you're doing this thank you so much you all heard it here first the with two e's commissioner ronald mcfadden with that vibe central thank you we out